Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's Chrissy, Xander, and Charlie here. And today we're going to do a quicker episode, but we're going to be chatting through how to build a RevOps roadmap. And I know we talked about roadmaps in the past, but we wanted to be a bit more succinct and really talk about the three big things you should think about when developing your roadmap and how to create one that's going to be valuable for the business, but also that one that you can execute against. So I'm going to kind of kick it off to start uh, the first thing um, in talking about really where do you start before you even start adding things to a roadmap. And so in the past, I know myself included, a lot of teams will just kind of take in all the requests that they've gotten and just figure out with the team, okay, what can we add on to our roadmap? What can we achieve this quarter, next quarter, yada, yada. And I think that there's a big flaw to that because you're just kind of being an order taker at that point. You're kind of just taking in all everyone wants and then just trying to execute against that, whether it's going to be impactful or not. So the first thing I always suggest is trying to really understand the goals of the business or the departmental goals. So usually around like the revenue team, because if you can actually use those as a driving force to figure out, okay, what projects should we actually work on? Do they support any of these goals? Can we tie them back to those goals? I think the better. One thing also, we've done a lot of revenue growth architecture projects, like tons of it, the foundations, everything. And we kind of see what is super valuable. And so if you're struggling then to even figure out what are those goals or how can they be tied to your projects, I think the three outcomes that will tie to as well is just anything around improving the customer journey, increasing efficiencies like operational efficiencies, or getting better insights and analytics. So as a shortcut or add to that, if you can actually also then tie one of those projects to one or more of those outcomes, I think the better, especially if you don't have these driving kind of goals from the team to help you do that. So yeah, I think that Being able to then market your work and articulate it and see how you're aligning your whole department to the teams that you're supporting, you know, unlike other groups in marketing and sales operations is kind of that like you you have customers, you're actually supporting so many business units. So if you're able to then show how you're supporting them, I think the better. I think that's great. And you're doing all of the legwork up front. You're getting the right stakeholders in place and making sure that you have the right stakeholders at the right level too, because your whole thing can get weighed down really into the weeds. So make sure that you are really trying to elevate that so that you can have the highest impact. And that is really important to be able to show that amount of impact, as we mentioned, to the buyer's journey, to the insights and analytics and efficiencies is list out all of the projects that you've talked about or all of the problems that you've talked about. And that can just be in an unordered list and then take all of those and bring them into an effort and impact matrix. So that way you can clearly outline, these are the six projects that are going to have the highest impact for us in the next six months. Out of those, some of them are going to be higher level effort. Some of them are going to be lower level of effort. And that can help you to prioritize what you do first, what you do second, what you do all the way down to six. And then that is also going to help you be able to communicate to stakeholders who don't get what they want, because now we can clearly see that there's going to be something that's high effort, but lower impact toward the business goals or 
any of the things that we had just outlined from a pillar perspective, it makes those conversations a little bit easier. Everybody's visual learners. So the way that I like to do this is to pull it into like a whimsical or into a Google sheet or something to that effect where you can clearly see it in different quadrants, upper right being the highest amount of impact, the lowest amount of effort, and then kind of build it out amongst that. And it makes it much, much easier to be able to communicate those decisions. Yeah, it really does. I think that a lot of people really forget that step where you just kind of rush into the work, but you really feel it when you've sat down, you've got your list and you've gone through the effort impact matrix. We just did this the other day for some projects internally for CS2 and it just elevates that conversation and just makes sure that you're really working on the important stuff. But there's also stuff that's quick, but maybe not as valuable as some of the bigger stuff, but it, it needs to get done. But it's, it's that low, low effort, right? But moderate impact. And really thinking about it using that prioritization framework is key. And we've experimented with loads of different priority frameworks over the years. And the effort impact one, I'd say it's the best and most simple. And then like Xander was saying, there's this really a differentiator in ops people that, that can then take that list, take the priorities and get the whole company on board with those. So making sure that you've documented everything, you have the reasons why you're doing these projects, you can include the effort impact in that equation and make sure that's documented well, and then get it into a presentable format for everyone. So once you can start actually going around the org and saying, okay, these are going to be the priorities that we're going to focus on. This is why tying it back to the three key things that Chrissy mentioned the buyer's journey, like insights and efficiencies, then you can start getting the whole company on board because you're going to be needing each of the people in different roles as part of these projects. You need their buy-in, you're going to need their input, they're going to need to be enabled on it and working in a lot of what you're building. So you need to make sure that they're bought in and then set some really good goals, like realistic goals, but smart goals that you've got to make sure they're specific, measurable. You can use the OKR framework. And then you're making sure you can drive that accountability through your team and everyone else to make sure you actually then work on the roadmap. It's so easy to get distracted and pulled in something else. So if you have some goals, you're tracking them, you're giving regular updates to your business stakeholders and everyone else who's kind of bought in or, or a part of your work, then now you've got that real good system to continually work on the most important things get them done, let everyone know about them, market your success, get more buy-in from everyone, and then just work in, in that cycle. So it really does set you apart from a lot of people who are in these operations roles that are just firefighting, kind of running around. They get to the end of the week and they don't even know what they've done, right? And if you're there, like, don't feel discouraged. I'm not trying to criticize you. It's so easy to fall into that trap, but try and follow some of these steps to break out of it. And even if you know 20% of your work is working in this way, it's still a massive improvement than where you might be in the past or, or even right now. Yeah. When I think about also what's getting in the way of people doing these three things, I think you talked about it, like trying being too firefighting, tactical and stuff like that. But I think when developing your roadmap, really think about what's achievable. So many times I see teams and they're like, this is our roadmap, but then they get to the end of the quarter or halfway through the year and what they've been able to execute hasn't been any of that. And so I think really being thinking through 
and holding yourselves accountable, having the right resources, but also being realistic around what can be done is super useful because I think if you continue to not deliver on what you promised to the organization, it's worse than not signing up for a lot. I think also too, operationally, people really struggle to keep a lot of different projects rolling at the same time. And so what I would also say is really try to get your team focused on maybe even just an individual leading one of those projects and then ensuring that working with the key kind of stakeholders or the rest of the team to keep that stream going. Because I think sometimes one person can really struggle to keep multiple work streams running efficiently. And so if you can share that load or push yourself to make sure that you're taking off smaller chunks of that bigger project and setting a goal, even like sprint wise to get something done for those multiple projects, the better. Because I think too often people just want to see things to completion. So then they focus on one thing. But knowing just the nature of operations, it's much better to keep multiple work streams running. So any other final tips? Or is that it? That's it. Worth mentioning that we know it's not easy as yeah. well. Like I said, I mean, it's not it's not easy. We know the challenges. I mean, I think one, what was it the last couple of two episodes ago was the harsh realities of RevOps. Yep. So we get the reality. It does set you apart, though. And it does make you feel more satisfied in your work when you can look back on the year and go, I achieved these OKRs and these were things that were really big business priorities. Other than kind of looking back and going, I fixed a lot of broken things and I kind of ran around like kind of trying to help everyone kind of keep duct tape everything together and just work in this chaotic way. So really encourage everyone to try and follow this. Think of yourself as building a product, not just trying to keep everything afloat and take that product mindset to really to deliver some important work this year. Cool. All right. Well, that was quick, but hopefully you got some tips to develop a great RevOps roadmap. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it with a colleague or friend. And we'll see you next time. Revenue Growth Architects Podcast. Have a good one. <laughs>